Well, I want to talk about Sonny Gray. Uh, he had one of the great pitching months in Twins history in April. He's lined up for another start here soon by the time you hear this show. Uh, but I, I want to overreact to something I saw on on Thursday afternoon when the Twins beat the White Sox in a crazy extra inning games and get extra inning game. Excuse me. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Let me start with Lavelle today. Why is Brock Stewart going out there and looking like he has closer stuff? This is this is fascinating to me. Uh, this guy has not had a very good career. He's bounced around. He didn't play in 2020 because minor leagues were shut down. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. His resume isn't very impressive. And he goes out there, and his stuff is moving all over the place. It, is this – Something is, is this something we should keep an eye on? Is Brock Stewart a potential guy? I, 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 I'm trying to figure out if, the tw- if there's some pumping pumpkin patch that the twins like go to to like get some of these guys from to come up and throw because they're all throwing hard. They did this last year with um, Matt McGill, and I don't even know who he was. He's like throwing 97, you know. Now we got Brock Stewart here throwing uh, throwing hard with breaking stuff and, and looking like he uh, he belongs in the majors, you know. And the guys like. 31 years old, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's, rather rem- it's remarkable. He has, he's only pitched in, was it 50 major league games in his life, 50 major league games. And, and he looks like he uh, should be like an integral part of a bullpen. He's got, he's got good stuff. Um, I, I don't know if the twins have done something with his delivery to get a couple more miles per hour out of his heater, which wouldn't surprise me because, you know, I didn't think Caleb Thielbar would ever throw 95 and he's, throwing above 95 at times. So um, this has got to be something about uh, the Twins pitching factory that's coming into play here. But it looks like if Stewart's healthy, that he can be uh, an asset in the bullpen. And as you go through a, a long season, you know, you're going to need guys to get to call, be called up from St. Paul to pitch in and and and, uh, and compete. And I think uh, the more he pitches, the more confidence he's going to get as he sees how his stuff plays in the majors. And he could really take off. So this is an intriguing development to kind of monitor for uh, for the squad. That's Lavelle Neal. We're going to hear from Roy Smalley here in a second. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Roy, of course, former Twins All-Star, current Twins broadcaster, Lavelle columnist at the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Uh, it's been a blast to do a show with these guys. Uh, we have a special event coming up Friday, May 12th. That's the night the Cubs are in town. Friday, May 12th. 5.30 to 6.30, we are doing our show at Loon, downtown, walking distance from Target Field. If you're on your way to the game, if you want to stop by before you go home and watch the game on TV, it's the perfect location. We always have a blast at our live shows. I'm going to bring a special gift. It's either going to be a bobblehead or a Carlos Correa bat, mini bat or something like that. I'm going to bring a special gift. The person who asks the best question will win that gift. Uh, that is our promotion uh, in, in connection with Loon and Grain Belt. Uh, so come on by. Uh, and, you know, frankly, the show always lasts a little bit past our, our planned recording time. So even if you feel like you're running late, stop by, say hello, catch the end of the show. We do appreciate it. We're coming to you today from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to Aquarius. Uh, thanks also to All Energy Solar and First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. Uh, and if you like this show or any show at talknorth.com, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Roy, what was your first impression of Brock Stewart? Well, my first impression of Brock Stewart was this exact same as uh, Christian Vasquez's first impression, <laughs> who caught him the first time. 
And I was told that after he, uh, his first appearance, and he he was throwing 97, the ball was moving all over the place. He had this 92-mile-an-hour cutter. Nobody throws a 92-mile-an-hour cutter except Mariano Rivera. That's what it looked. It looked like a Mariano Rivera cutter. He throwing a change up and a bigger slider off the off the cutter. And Vasquez goes into the dugout after the third out, and as he's coming down the steps, you know Rocco's standing right there, and Rocco uh, Baldelli, the manager, uh, looks at Vasquez, and Vasquez gives him I, I I can't do it, no camera here, but gives him that open his eyes as wide as he can and shake his head like holy. <laughs> Uh, so my impression was the same as his catchers, and it has not changed. Uh, by the way, I don't think it was the Twins. It, I think he was a what is it, drive line or whatever that he went drive to. line. Yep. Oh yeah. In the uh, in the off season, and they changed his mechanics around a little bit, evidently. And he went to the the Twins had him in in AAA, and he was uh, striking out two batters for every battery face. He was it led the the minor leagues everywhere in strikeout uh, percentage. I mean, he was striking out everybody. So they brought him up. They had an, they had an opening. They brought him up, and and he's he has twirled that unbelievable stuff up ever since. I think he's late inning. I think he has late inning stuff. I, it would be about for him. It looks with like that stuff. It would be about makeup and uh, and being able to control the movement. He's got so much movement to be able to control that so he's in the strike zone. He's one of those guys that is a – you throw it – you just throw your stuff in the middle of the plate, whatever pitch it is, and let and let the stuff take it to the corners because it, it you don't need to try to hit the corner with him. You throw it in the middle of the plate, it's going to hit one corner or the other. Wow. So, I, I mean, I, I, I love, love, love his stuff. Uh, we we'll just see – yeah, you know, see if he has the makeup and the ability to control it because it is, it is late. It is eighth and ninth inning stuff, and since they have eighth and ninth inning guys, it really works in the seventh. That's crazy because uh, his last major league season was 2019. His fastball averaged 91.6 miles an hour, and his fastball with the Twins is averaging 95.9 miles an hour. Yeah, he's That's averaging a hour yeah. difference. He's averaging 96 and throwing 97 regular. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. And driveline, uh, I think Pete Mackey's really sharp. I thought Wes Johnson's really sharp. The Twins have all kinds of uh, analytic stuff. They worked with Pablo Lopez. His stuff improved. But also, it's it's in conjunction with some of these independent operators. Driveline, Joe Ryan raved about it. Now Brock Stewart's showing benefits from going there. So, you know, that's one reason I always say that sometimes baseball fans overrate and over-criticize hitting and pitching coaches, because sometimes the hitting and the pitching coach is just there as a resource that a player doesn't even always use all that much. They don't necessarily aren't looking for philosophy or anything other than just kind of a worker bee to help them out. So, you know, sometimes a pitching staff or a hitting or a lineup will fail and people will automatically blame the hitting or the pitching coach. Well, most major league hitters and pitchers I've known have other people they rely on as well. So now you have all these twins resources and drive line in the offseason, and we've already seen it impact the Twins' quality of pitching. I wonder how much, how 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 much uh, what's the value of drive line? Because I'm worried that like some major league team like the Yankees would just buy drive line and just hoard <laughs> all the all the technology for themselves. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, of course, if you're driveline, you probably like being in an independent operator that gets players from 30 major league teams and a bunch of Money colleges talks. and and yeah and and you know is Jarrett Cole really going to come to spend much time with you? So, but but all that aside, uh, Stewart looked great, and guess who else looked great yesterday? And it's basically looked really good except for one terrible outing. Pagan, Emilio Pagan, Roy, are you seeing any signs of hope here? Well, I am uh, just from results. I mean, what we've talked about, he had that awful inning in, um, in, in Fenway. But since then, he's been lights out, and uh, he hasn't walked people. He's struck them out. He's missing bats. And, you know, we've talked about before. I have talked with uh, Glenn Perkins and Tim Laudner and, you know, a bunch of guys. And I was talking with Perkins uh, last, you know, my, the 10 games that I just finished up uh, doing in the booth. And and um, I, I said uh, to Glenn, okay, what I've always thought that Pagan had good stuff. Uh, so why does he get knocked around? Perk looked at me a long time and said, I've got no effing idea. He said, that guy <laughs> should get people out. Yep. And he said, I don't get it. I just don't get it. So none of us get it. Uh, it's just that he, he hasn't been able to miss bats. And, and all of a sudden he's doing that again. Uh, his fastball has been located a bit better, but not, you know, not so. It's not like he's never thrown the ball in the middle of the plate again. His slider looks okay, but it's not like he hasn't, you know, hung a few. Uh, he's thrown an occasional uh, uh, split finger, but basically, it's been it's been fastballs and sliders, and he's and he's missing bats and getting outs, and so. You know who knows? He has been an enigma before, and he's an enigma now. But he's he is uh, he he's getting people out. So good for him. I'm glad. I'm happy for him. I'm not convinced yet. I need to see this for another month or so to believe that he's actually turned the corner. But I thought that um, I thought that the fact that he's not going to be needed for the eighth and ninth inning that that much this year would help him find a way to get back on track, pitching in maybe some more low leverage situations. Although. You know they needed to empty the they needed to empty the bullpen yesterday. To go to go twelve innings, um, but you know he's been effective. And um, you know if he gets a little confidence out of this and runs with it, then it's a benefit to everyone. But uh, you know the fact they have uh, Lopez and and Duran for the last couple of innings, you know just takes takes a lot of the responsibility off Pagan, and that's a great situation for him to to figure something out to find um, some sort of repertoire or tighten up his stuff for him to be effective. And so far, it's working. So let's see if he can carry this on. Because, it will, was it late May when the when the game started being blown by him? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. or, or, you know what? You know, they're in Cleveland this week. Some There's some people who believe that Pagan is actually an agent for the Cleveland Guardians <laughs> trying to sabotage the Twins. So let's see how Pagan does this weekend against the Guardians before we, we get fired up about him being uh, figured out or fixed. <laughs> One thing that has struck me is that uh, this spring, coming off a terrible season, and that even this season, during the regular season, following that one really bad outing, uh, he he is a very positive personality in that clubhouse. He's kind of lighthearted. He's easy to talk to. Uh, he's easy to be around. And, there, you know, there's something – Roy, you can speak to this. I mean – Sometimes it seems incongruous for a player to struggle and still be kind of a, a happy human being, but it's also got to be uh, beneficial to be able to maintain a positive attitude when things are going bad. Otherwise, you don't have any chance of coming back. 
You know, I, I got to tell you, the, the people that I've, the players that I've been around, whether it's on my team or uh, guys that I played against or guys that I talked to at all Star at the All-Star Game or, you know, it, 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 in the offseason or wh whenever players gather around, there's, there are a couple of characteristics that all of the really great players seem to have. One of them is that at least outwardly, I mean, I'm speaking basically about hitters here. Um, it's it's never their fault. It's, it's <laughs> right, always, right. It's always the damn pitcher made an unbelievable pitch on him. Can you believe that he made that pitch in this situation? It wasn't that anything about what he was doing that would make him think that something's wrong. You know, nothing was ever wrong. They if they weren't getting hits, they might come out and take extra hitting and all that, but. It, you know, it's there. It was. It never shook their belief in themselves that they were great, and nothing is nothing is wrong. The other, the other thing that I know. Uh, oh, and by the way, a characteristic and personality trait that I personally did not own, <laughs> and I would, I would never have the ability to have that personality. Trait. And and secondly, a personality that I did not own is uh, happy-go-lucky through any struggle, regardless, the same all the time uh, um, in, in terms of my, uh, you know, outward and inward uh, demeanor. So, uh, it, 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 and frankly, it, it's, it's taken Tom Kelly's old adage, I mean, even keel, not too high, not too low, to, it, to dream some of these guys that, you know, they just it just never seems to to matter. That, but on the other hand, as an alternative, I mean, there, if you're going to be one extreme or the other, that's the one to have because the because the one that uh, allows you to get into the depths of uh, mentally into the depths of how bad you're you're you seem you think you're performing physically is no good. That's a uh, that's a downward spiral that it is is tough to get out of. So. You know, sometimes it's maddening. And I know a lot of fans, after, after a game, the guys say, you know, we have to come back tomorrow, get them tomorrow. You know, and people, people, you know, a lot of people want guys evidently to be crying in the clubhouse and, and gnashing their teeth and pounding the, the, the floor and saying, my God, we are so terrible. We're never going to get out of this. But, you know, I mean, we're so, you know, mea culpa, mea culpa. But it, it doesn't really do any good. The truth is it doesn't do any good. No, it's the in in my experience covering sports, baseball players, golfers, and goalies never believe that there's something wrong. It's always you know, oh, there was a, a there was a, a spike mark on the green. That's why I missed that putt. Or you know, hey, I was screened. I didn't have a chance to stop that shot from the point. You know, and and baseball players, I'm I still remember Scott Erickson once telling me, hey. Once the ball leaves my hand, I have no control over anything that happens. I'm like, I'm like, well, that's an interesting. Why don't you take that into contract negotiations? You know, <laughs> but but there is it. It does build up a little bit of insulation in a very difficult job to allow you. you know, and obviously, you can't take it to an extreme where you never try to fix anything that's wrong. But but you know, it goes back to like I remember Kirby Puckett and Shane Mack. You know, if they went a combined over ten against uh, in a baseball game back in '93, and I went up and talked to him, Puck would be like, "Man, somebody's going to pay. Somebody's going to pay, right?" And he didn't analyze why how he got made five outs. He's like, "That means I'm going to get three hits tomorrow." And Shane Mack would be like, 
man, that guy was nasty. And, and anybody Shane Mack didn't hit, he called nasty. And, I'm, and I never wanted to point out, actually, he was throwing 85-mile-an-hour fastballs. He just had a bad day. But there is some kind of psychological insulation that some people use that works for them long-term. No question. I think it work. I think it's just different for everyone. Some people, you know, need to beat themselves up to be better. Some people need to have a short memory to be better. Some people need to bounce back and forth <laughs> to be better. You know, I think everybody is a little different when that comes, and that's what makes covering sports fascinating to see. You know, what buttons do individuals need to push for themselves to be at their best? And you see a lot of different approaches and a lot of different. Uh, I mean, like interviewing someone like Mike Pelfrey after a bad outing. Pelfrey yeah. would just stand there and just self, just just lambaste himself, you know, about how horrible he was, you know. And you talk to someone like Brad Racking, well, it just didn't work out, you know. And, and we'll, we'll try again. So in who was f- a better pitcher? Who was a better pitcher, Radke or Pelfrey? Well, okay, well, then there's no difference. I mean, there's no contest there. I think Racky was. Well, but my, my only point is, my only point is, I've never, ever talked to a really uh, high-performing baseball player that, uh, that I can point to and say, yeah, he went through really amazing ups and downs psychologically, but I can't believe he did as well as he did. I've never, I've never seen anyone like that. I'm trying to figure out who in baseball would be a guy who would probably rip himself. Max Scherzer, maybe? He comes across as a guy who probably gives himself the red ass after a bad outing. Oh, red ass is different than, red ass is different than, you know, than, than, than getting, you know, psychologically down. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, that's the, that's the other positive um, response that you can have other than, you know, denial of anything that's going, uh, going wrong. The other thing is, you know, just be so pissed off about it, you know, just get it out of your system and come back the next day, you know, you know, with fire in your eyes, you know, those, th- those two things are different. I'm talking about, are, are th- those two things are different than, um, sitting on your stool, shaking, shaking your head and going, Oh my God, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Kind of stuff, kind of attitude. And, and by the way, uh, thank you for reminding me of one of the great baseball phrases in Major League Baseball history, red ass. It, it's just such, it, you just don't hear that anywhere other than a baseball club. No, you don't. Which, of course, <laughs> means that, uh, that you are very upset at the moment. You know, the, the great right. thing about a baseball term, uh, terminology is that uh, baseball players carry it into everyday life. right. Uh, I'll give you just a quick example of the term red ass. Uh, it, on more than one occasion, I have been playing golf with guys and um, missed a miss a putt for, you know, whatever, what, for whatever score I wanted. I really wanted to make the putt badly, made a bad putt, go to the next tee, uh, hit a ball, a, a tee shot down the middle, 289 yards. And uh, you were walking after and guys are going, man, you, you hit the snout of that. And I said, well, there was a lot of red ass in that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, we're, we'll see if we can get the word red ass, the phrase red ass worked into our live show at, at loon next Friday. Uh, that won't be, I want to get to sunny gray and Alex Kirilov next. Do want to let you know, we're coming to you from the Aquarius home services studio. And we want to thank our sponsor Aquarius 
home services. It's spring, and that means home improvement project. Is this the year for amazing worry-free water? Whether it's city or well, Kinetico provides the world's most efficient water treatment system. Kinetico uses zero electricity and provides treated water on demand. It's easy on salt, and you'll enjoy purified drinking water right from your faucet. Schedule your free water analysis with Aquarius Home Services, your independent authorized Kinetico dealer. We're just a click away at KineticoMN.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Also remind you that solar panels are the only home improvement project that pays for itself. Learn more about going solar this spring at All Energy Solar's free webinar by visiting allenergysolar.com slash webinar. And if you want to save money on your solar install, find out what incentives you can qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach. So obviously any interest you have in uh, in solar just go to allenergysolar.com and you'll find everything you need. Also want to let you know about our newest sponsor, First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. Phone calls are answered by real people instead of a never-ending voicemail system. Dedicated financial representatives who really care about your personal, business, mortgage, and investment objectives. First Minnetonka City Bank is an independent community bank that offers the same wealth of products and services as larger banks, yet provides the highest quality customer service that other banks forget. We take the time to develop one-on-one relationships with our customers. The same banker will work with you year after year, providing the long-term understanding necessary to tailor our services to your changing needs. First Minnetonka City Bank. Stop by or call one of our convenient locations to experience the First Minnetonka difference for yourself. All right, so we, we just have to... Uh, Tip our caps to Sonny Gray. What a month he put together in April. He was brilliant. I, I wrote about it uh, after he pitched great on Sunday, and I, I, I'm not. I didn't make a direct comparison between him and Greg Maddox. They're way. They are very different pitchers in many ways. But the way he commanded his movement, the way he threw balls that looked like strikes, strikes that looked like balls, the way he was able to throw, uh, uh, you know, pitch backwards to some hitters. Uh, keep people off balance. I, I don't know. I, it was it was similarly masterful in my eyes. Roy, what w- what was your impression of Sonny Gray in April? Well, yeah. I mean, you just you hit all the right uh, adjectives for it. I mean, it I, it's uh, something you don't see very often uh, where a guy has this kind of command of that many pitches. He's got six pitches. A lot of starters say they have six pitches, and then you look at their stats and they throw the fifth and sixth pitch about 2% of the time and only to one side of the plate or the other, you know, only to a left-hander or to a right-hander. So it really is a, you know, pitch, you know, two pitches that you just eliminate. If you're a hitter, you don't even think about it. Not the case with Sonny. I mean, Sonny legitimately throws six pitches that a hitter has to be aware of. And they are of different trajectories and different speeds, all of them. Uh, he has he has had so far and the amazing an amazing performance uh, of uh, being able to throw the ball on the corner of the plate that he wants or just off so that it looks like a strike for a long time uh, before it is not a strike which is really hard on a hitter or it looks like a ball for a line in the case of his uh, two seam fastball that he starts outside. Uh, to right-handers or inside to left-handers and and breaks back at the plate. He starts it, it looks like a ball for a long time and then becomes, you know, strike three on the corner. Uh, it's So he has that ability to throw a two-seam fastball that uh, that moves 
uh, either into left-handers onto the corner, on the corner on the outside looks like he's striking a long time and moves off. Uh, he can throw a cutter that goes the other direction. He can throw a slider off the cutter that's this, that has kind of the same idea, but it has more downward break and it's slower. Uh, he's got a w- wonderful curveball that he will drop over either as a get me over, which is not really get me over because it's, it's got really good bite on it. It's a really tough pitch. He doesn't throw that a lot until the slider's not working as well as he'd like, so he just goes for the curveball. He also will throw a changeup, and he'll up the fastball, the, the two-seam running fastball with a four-seamer high in the zone. It just shocks shocks people. So none of that works unless you throw all those pitches in a location that you want to. And it it was it, it has been the maybe the best month of command of that many pitches that I can remember seeing. I'll, I'll finish just by saying one of the best at bats, <laughs> pitched at bats I saw. It was just so much fun against the Yankees. Aaron Judge was up. It was a big situation. And Sonny threw a, a two-seam fastball on the outside corner, strike one. And then he threw a cutter that started just uh, on the outside part of the plate and uh, corner and broke off. The Judge swung and missed for strike two. So two balls moving this different directions on the same corner or just off. And then uh, then the third pitch was the slider that looked like the cutter that uh, had more of the play started, but it broke uh, farther and it broke down also and was slower and, and Judge missed on all three counts, so, you know, strike him out. It was, it, it was the best example of what he has been able to do in every start. It's been incredible. Yeah, it's been really fun because um, he's right at that intersection between the talent and the know-how to execute and get the most out of his talent, and it's been pretty, uh, pretty dominant. And you know, if you're a hitter and you you've got to account for six pitches, that's and the fact that Sonny can throw strikes or appear to throw strikes with all six of those pitches, and so if a hitter can't eliminate a pitch and focus on others, he's you know that that that's advantage Sonny Gray, man, and it's been really. Uh, impressive to watch and you brought up the Yankees game I remember it was the New York that New York game in Yankee Stadium where I watched Sonny just make money pitch after money pitch I love to see how many uh, strikeouts looking uh, he's accumulated this year versus swinging uh, it seems like he's frozen a lot of hitters um, with, with some of his two strike pitches and um, it's as we talk on impressive I mean he's he was a, a great addition to the uh, the rotation and he set himself up for a heck of a year. And once again, it's a contract year too. So, um, <laughs> uh, that, uh, that's also something that comes into play. I, I imagine sometimes with, uh, with, with the athletes, but, um, I, I just like the fact, and he's actually a really pleasant person to talk to in the, in the, in the clubhouse. I think, uh, the first time I interviewed him, I, I think he was still in, he had scar tissue from his time in, uh, New York. So I asked him a question about, uh, analytics and he thought I was going to turn it around and, and write something negative about him. So we had to work through that. But other than, other than that time, he's been great to talk to. And, and I, I still, I actually want to call the South scientist, at the university of Minnesota and get this whole thing with him grunting. Um, you know, there's only a couple of grunters in baseball and it's him and, and Zach Grinke. And uh, Carlos Correa says that uh, Gray's grunts are louder than the Grinkies. So, um, <laughs> so you don't even have to watch, 
be paying attention to the game and know the grace pitching because, you know, when he lets go of that ball, you're going to hear a noise come out of him um, as he's delivering. And the way it's going right now, when he's letting go, letting that ball go, good things are happening. But he's kind of, he's very entertaining to watch throw just from the look and sound of his pitching. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of things that I, that I didn't yeah. mention just because I felt like I was kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, off on a uh, uh, on a uh, filibuster there, but um, it's a podcast. The, the, one of the things that are uh, that are important uh, to consider and to watch for, and uh, with Sonny is uh, all of his uh, pitches. Where you know Lavelle and I are both talking about his command and his ability to throw the ball, you know, make money pitches and stuff. But on a on a start in and start out basis, or batter in batter out, all of his pitches are competitive. It used to be Tom Kelly's the first time, the first guy I've ever heard use the term. You know, it wasn't a competitive pitch, mm-hmm. and, and that you know what does that mean? And what it means is that it, whether the, whether or not the pitch is a strike, it, was it close enough? Did it move enough? Was it a was it a quality enough pitch where it had an effect on a hitter's mind? Uh, so you can throw a ball. Uh, off the plate inside you can throw me a fastball off the plate inside and just because it was a ball if you were zipping it in there 95 miles an hour or whatever it was or it had a lot of movement and and it it impresses me that you might come in there the pitcher might come in there again and i got to be ready for that so it doesn't have to be a strike necessarily and the same thing can be said about Pitches just off the plate, or pitches just low, or pitches just high, and as long as they're influential, then they're quality pitches. And he he maybe throws the fewest um, non-influential pitches uh, in in uh, in a game than hmm. anybody. Uh, to go along with that, and also with what Lavelle said about the money pitches. Really good pitchers have the ability. Everybody's going to get behind two and all, or two and one, or three and one, or whatever. The really good pitchers have the ability to throw a money pitch to get back in the, to use Lavelle's term, to get back in the back in the count. Um, I got to throw this fastball for a strike. Okay, I'll throw it on the corner rather than down the middle. And it, that sounds stupid, but you know most most guys, many many guys, the guys that separate you know, from, you know, mediocre from really good are guys that get to two and one, they have to throw that pitch for a strike and it's, they throw for the outside corner, but it's off, you know, but it's not, it's not, and it's not influential. They just can't hit it. And Sonny not only throws all of his pitches as competitive pitches, but also when he may, needs to make that pitch to get back in the count, he can make a quality pitch that gives him a chance to get back in the count and not just a, a, a get me over strike that's going to get, Rake somewhere. Good points. Uh, boy, I think we're going to be talking about Sonny all year, so I won't carry on this part of the conversation. I think we'll be back talking about Sonny and his pitches and competitiveness. Again, he's just a blast to watch. Uh, for today, I one more topic I want to get to. Uh, once again, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And once again, go to talknorth.com. You'll find tons of hockey stuff, tons of outdoor content. Uh, John Malay on preps, Jeff Diamond on the Vikings, John Krasinski on the Timberwolves, the Viking Update Show, and of course, this is Chin Music. Uh, and again, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We do appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who listens. Last topic. I talked to a lot of Twins officials about Alex Kirilov last weekend. He's a really interesting case. Uh, he's been hitting well at St. Paul. 
This team obviously needs middle of the order uh, run producers and quality at bat takers. He he profiles as a quality middle of the order hitter. Um, right now, Trevor Larnick is, isn't coming close. Uh, they've had other needs, but it's not as easy a decision as you would think it is because if you call up Kirilov, uh, do you cut Nick Gordon just as he's really getting it rolling and getting tons of clutch hits for you? Do you cut Solano, who's been really important? You have Kyle Farmer coming back, who's going to complicate things. Uh, do you want, if if you're going to, they don't really feel good about putting Kepler in center field because it kind of messes with his head. So where do the at-bats come from? Do you, you know, it, it's just, it's not clear cut unless you have full confidence that Kirilov's going to come up, produce, stay healthy, and be able to, to play five, six days a week. He, it's a weird roster fit. Uh, Lavelle, what are you hearing? Yeah, uh, I talked to a couple of Twins officials early in the week because I wrote that column about uh, Buxton can't DH all year. And um, these next two weeks are pretty um, key for the Twins in a couple areas. And one is, uh, you know, Derek Falvey told me that, you know, one thing Kirilov hasn't done, he hasn't played like two consecutive weeks. Yep. Um, and so we can – and we haven't had a chance to judge him over like a lengthy period of time because he started playing at St. Paul and he played like half a game. Then he play a game and have a day off. And but now it's going to be every day. And so, uh, you know, they're curious to see how he handles, you know, the, the workload. And if he can get through this next phase. OK, then like they're they're going to have to make a decision. Um, but the other thing, too, that it actually they think the Twins think this month is going to be some really hard roster decisions because. Yep. Cal Farmer is going to be ready here soon. Um, Falby told me a great story. He was sitting in the office at Rockle and the trainer, Nick Paparesta, this is like a last week. And uh, Farmer came into the office and sat down and said, guys, I got to tell you one thing. I'm a pain in the ass while I'm on IL. <laughs> and so he's, he's working to get off the, the injury list. Plus I think he just wants to get the whole, you know, the whole deal about getting back in the box and having pitches thrown at him again, just get through the whole, if there, if there is a mental block about climbing back in the box or not, um, I think he just wants to get over that. So, uh, so he's been playing this week in, in St. Paul and he gets through another week and everything's okay. You know, they've got to call him up. So yeah. Um, add Willie Castro to that list of, of guys who could be casualties here by the end of the month. So th- this period is interesting, but um yeah, you know, if Kirloff hits over these next two weeks, um, you, and you you see you see the Twins office now, it's kind of sale or fail. They were two for thirteen with runners in scoring position yesterday, uh, only to be outdone by the White Sox, who are one for sixteen. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, they're they're going to want to get his bat in the lineup if he if he earns it here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he's you know it's it's um, I've said for a while uh, now that. He, Kirilov won't be here until Buxton is going to, is playing center field. So I, yeah. I think that Buxton not playing center field is a is a problem. I mean, I don't know if that's if that statement is true. Uh, it probably isn't, but it points out the problem that you have uh, with roster with roster spots. Uh, if, if if Buck is going to be the DH, uh, then all of a sudden there are you know for first base and three outfield spots. There's Gallo and Larnick and Kepler and, in this case, Michael A. Taylor. And um, uh, it, and who's going to play? I mean, Kirloff comes up, you know, and plays, you know, first base. Who's the guy out of the outfield? Um, and 
So it, it, it's just a problem, man. You got to have you got to have Farmer and Solano on the team, in my opinion, because you're going to want the right-handed bats. You know, yep. uh, from uh, if Buck ever does play center field for a DH and against left-handed hitters. So there are a lot of problems. There, there are a lot, and Willie Castro. Uh, I mean, between Solano and Farmer, they can do the job in the infield that Willie Castro, you know, can do. But Castro can play the outfield. I mean, which is which is beneficial. So then you look at Nick Gordon and say, well, he can he can do those things too. And then you say, well, yeah, but yeah, yeah but so it's going to be it's going to be really really difficult. And I think the longer Bucks at DH, the tougher it's going to be. Yeah, you know, just to point another thing too, because the other thing I was told is that even Buck right now, they're all like, well, let's not mess up a good thing here. It's been working out well. And the one thing that was pointed out to me was that, you know, when Buck was out last year, the fallback was Jay Cave. You know, Buck not being able to play outfield right now, you know, the fallback is Michael A. Taylor. And that's a big difference. You're getting a guy who is a former Gold Glove winner and who also, you know, has a, a, a Contributed a few hits along the way and a couple home runs, so um, they they like how it, it's worked out. But um, but they know that they're going to have to address this eventually. Uh, it, it's getting warmer outside. Um, you know, Kirloff's close to getting ready. They just they they know this is coming, and um, there's going to be like I just pointed out, there's going to be a day when Buck all of a sudden is going to be out there in the outfield before a game, shagging fly balls and getting ready because he hasn't done any outfield work yet this year. But um, that that's going to change. So it's going to be fascinating. And you know what? I, I we we obsess over this and we write columns about stuff like this. You know what happens? These moves end up making them make these moves end up making themselves. Like yep. by the time all this comes to a head, someone's going to pull a hamstring and <laughs> they go in the IL, and then it, it becomes perfunctory after that. You know. And here's the yeah, other thing. You know, that the thing happen. about that Lavelle is that um, the the other side of it'll work itself out at some point in time somebody is not going to be performing and their twins are going to have to say, we got a guy hitting 360 in play. Uh, we got to give him a shot, you know, because, because Larn, if it's Larnick or whoever it is, you know, I mean, be, uh, Gallo, um, there, there's going to come a time when, you know, you say you get, guys are going to hit their way up to the big leagues. The guys hit their way up to the big leagues faster when they, there aren't uh, a, a lot of good players all around, uh, all around the field. When there are a, good, a lot of good players all around the field and on the roster like there are now, it's harder to hit your way there. But what you do is you just outperform in AAA what someone's doing in the, in the big leagues. Someone's not not doing in the big leagues, and then you know, and then you get your chance. And that's either one, either injury or performance is going to determine this for itself, probably. No doubt. All right, May twelfth, five thirty, the Loon downtown. Uh, catch us after work. Catch us on your way to the game. Uh, if you're at work, come over. Hang with us, and you can go home and watch the game on TV. If you're going to the game, stop by a little early, have a drink at the Loon. Loon also has excellent food. Uh, they're, they're, what is it, Lavelle? The uh, chicken chili, I think. It's always yeah, the chicken been my chili is good. Pico's River Red. Um, yep. uh, great sandwich, great chicken sandwich there. Um, just, a, just a quality place. And on weekends, they have breakfast, too. So, like, before you go to the Twins game, you stop by and get breakfast. Yep, so we'll see you at the Loon, 5.30, May 12th, before the Cubs game. Uh, spread the word. We'd love to see a bunch of people out. Again, I will be giving away either a either a bobblehead or some other similar type uh, twins giveaway for the best question asked. We will take questions. It's a real live show. And who doesn't want to see Roy and LaBelle live? I may give away a cigar. Ooh. <laughs>